are using all kinds of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. When I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Skywatchers Radio here on Monday night. I am your yeah. co-host, Jamie Havigan, joined by Angel, a.k.a. the Jackal, and the voice of yeah, reason, voice. Mr. Rick Osman, co-host. The other so what's co-host. up, guys? All right, all three of us are on here on Skywatchers Radio on a very cool uh, Monday night, and we're going to have Mr. Steve Bassett on with us in about 20 minutes, which is really really cool he was on jackal's head not long ago and of course he's one of my favorite guests to have on so i'm looking forward to talking to him again and you know picking his brain for another hour and a half here with everybody so that's going to be fun how, how long has it been since you had uh steve bassett on your show jamie oh it's been a while now probably about six months oh man i had him on three times huh yeah you know lots happened we'll probably have him back on coming up pretty soon not much in the world of uh, this, you know, disclosure, but um, you know, a lot of sightings and stuff, and uh, a lot of political stuff that I'm sure could he's going to want to, you know, get into. Yeah, yeah it could happen. He set up. He set up the. According to David Ike and uh, some people, to be every uh, September of every year, it just it never comes. Yeah. Well, he's also been working on the Exo uh, Politics Network and trying to get it right. run around the world and for each state, so. We'll get an update on that as well. Yes, indeed. That's going to be great, man. So, guys, uh, Skywatchers Radio, we haven't been on uh, the three of us in a couple weeks here and uh, kind of been missing it, man. Uh, you know, Skywatchers Radio is it's uh, used to be a video show, and I was talking to, to Steve earlier tonight, and he was asking me, is it going to be on video? Because, you know, he really likes doing video, I think. And, uh, unfortunately, no, it's not on video, but... Yeah. Uh, you know, it's kind of bringing me back to the, those days when we were doing video. I'm thinking maybe we should explore that sometime. What do you think? From time to time. Yeah, it'd be cool from time to time to do video. Um, okay, I have no problem with that. That'd be kind of cool. We're going to have um, Nick Redfern on pretty soon. He'll be kind of cool to do a, a video interview uh, with. Yeah, videos... Video is cool because you can actually, you know, you can see the people and and see their expressions and their hands and, you know, it helps. It does, and uh, if if the person is psychotic, you might you might be able to see it in their face. 
And if they look normal, then then you might want to start saying, hey, they might be telling the truth. You know, that's just an easy way to, to determine who's the, who's the crazy and who's not. So, <laughs> just a thought. Well, it gives you some indication, perhaps, but some, yeah, some of us can get by with it. Well, you know, I mean, some of them. Of course, anybody who sees me it. would be like, "Oh, that jackal's a raving lunatic! Look at him! Holy Christ! Jeez!" And if they'd seen you this weekend, they'd know it for a fact. Yeah, you've been busy. Oh man, yes, I have. I, I got really busy this weekend. I did uh, the convention down here. I did the convention circuit, guys, which was pretty cool. I, I got to uh, meet Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters. That's right, the Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters, which was uh, pretty badass. It was down at uh, Miami's uh, Wizard Comic Con, the Wizard World Comic Con. Uh, it was actually the first one they've done down here, which was kind of surprising. You know, you'd think that. You know, comic books, Miami, kind of, you know, there's a lot of nerds down here, apparently. I mean, that, sh that thing was packed. So I would expect, you know, they have done this before, but I think it was the very first one they did down here. And that was exciting. We ended up going over with the uh, SoFlo radio guys and did four hours of radio right out of Wizard World, which is badass. And for all you Star Wars fan, yes, fans out there, yes, Ray Park was there. Darth Maul was in the building. He was in the house. We got to see him. So we, some of us got pictures with him. I unfortunately did not get to take a picture with him, but he was there. I felt the presence of Darth Maul, and it was cool. It really was. Huh. Yeah. Just like the movie, and, he uh, didn't say much, though. You know. <laughs> you know. Well, it, it, we a, explored the last Friday night on the in the in the chat room. We explored the the possibility of the dark side gaining members from other places than you'd think. Like, for instance, what if they recruited an Amishman? Would it be Darth Yoder? <laughs> <laughs> Darth Yoder. I like that. <laughs> I like that, actually. That's Here's cool, they brought like Go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say, if, if, you know, if there was an Amish Sith Lord, would he have the Amish beard as well? Like that long ass Amish beard. It'd have to. Still in the Sith robe. That'd be cool. And the black flat brim hat. That's part of it, too. Oh, man. I could see that. I could see an Amish dude rocking a lightsaber. I really could. The cows would The Amish and lightsabers, they go along. Yeah, they would. But yeah, Jamie, you were saying it's cool that they bring Comic Con down to Miami. It, it is cool, man. It's, it's awesome they're bringing it down here. And. You know, next month we're going to go over to MegaCon, which is in Orlando, and uh, we're going to broadcast out of there also. Hopefully you're going to join us, right, on this one? Yeah, I would like to try my hardest to get there. We'll have to see. I'm not going to guarantee it right now, but I should know within a few days. I'll see if I can get uh, one of my friends to go, my friend Kevin. Uh, we're always looking to get out of the house, so that would be cool. And when's that coming up in just a month? Yeah, that's actually the 25th, yeah, last 26th, weekend and 27th. Last weekend of March, that's right. And that's, it's MegaCon, and one reason I want to go more than anything right now after I saw the guest list is because Bill Shatner's going to be there. That's right, William Shatner, Captain James T. Kirk of the Enterprise, who doesn't look anything like he did back when the show was on because he's much older now, but he's still damn cool. 
is going to be there, and I want to get his autograph. At, at the one, you know, at the one in Miami here, they had, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with these guys, but Adam West was there, and Burt Ward, so Batman and Robin were literally there at the, at the event. I got to see them, and that was, like, surreal, man, to be in front of, you know, Adam West and, and Burt Ward, freaking Batman and Robin, dude. But, you know, James T. Kirk, come on. William Shatner. I always was, thought, I always thought Comic Con was the biggest. I thought they were the biggest conference, Comic Con, because you always see, you know, a lot of people reporting from there, and it's huge. Where did they hold it in well, Miami? San Diego, yeah. Uh, okay. Right. Yeah, Comic Con in San Diego, they have, like, all the movie stars show up. They do a lot of the, like, release, you know, like the, the, teaser releases for like trailers and like sneak peeks to movies like uh, Superman Returns they did a big old presentation there when that was coming out uh, Batman the Dark Knight did a big presentation for that they're probably going to do it for the next Superman uh, for you know the next Batman probably they're going to do something there also which is exactly why I want to go to the San Diego one because uh, <clears throat> you know there might be uh, <clears throat> a gentleman by the name of, of Christian Bale there maybe uh, Christopher Nolan might well, be perhaps. there you know somebody from yeah perhaps maybe. Uh, maybe the guys from Superman will be there, and I could uh, show my displeasure for the casting in person. That'd be kind of cool. So uh, maybe I'll throw some eggs get, or something at them. Get thrown out, out probably. But... Hey, well, I'll make the news. I'll yeah, make sure it's the last thing you do before you head out the door. Yeah. That, yeah. There you go. Right after we do our final broadcast, I'll go over to the Superman booth and start throwing eggs at them. You sons of bitches! And then I'll get thrown out. <laughs> but that's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but this is you know Wizard World was uh you know they they do a lot of you know conventions across the states also but this was the first time they came down to Miami and they ended up doing it at the Miami Airport Convention Center which is down in down almost downtown not so much far downtown but it's it's uh, by Little Havana really it's really where it's at where the Miami Airport is and uh, it was right in front of there and it's a huge huge convention center. I mean, they, there was a lot of room there for a lot of booze. There was a lot of really cool people there. But the guy who really stole the show was Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters. I mean, how cool is that to have, you know, one of the Ghostbusters there? And he was in full uniform, dressed up as a Ghostbuster, riding, you know, walking around, you know, meeting people. It was just He was like the nicest person you're ever going to meet, which was really cool. And I got actually an autograph from him on a, on a little plaque that he gave me. And it was pretty cool. It was a picture of the crow with Brandon Lee, and it shows him on it. And it's autographed by James O'Barr on the top, okay? And, you know, James O'Barr is the creator of The Crow. He actually autographed it. And uh, Ernie Hudson wrote his name on it. He autographed it for me, and he put Angel, It Can't Rain All the Time. For anybody who's a fan of The Crow, you'll get why that's kind of cool for him to write It Can't Rain All the Time. So, uh -huh. anyway, that's uh, I, thought that was, I thought that was, you know, just... Uh, touching i mean he was he opened up a little bit about the whole brandon lee thing in the movie and uh you could tell the guy really you know got kind of like shaken up by the whole event uh back then and he was just like a super super cool guy but uh also we saw scott thompson from kids in the hall he was there and a uh, real funny dude um in a lot of ways really funny but uh we won't get into that but uh a lot of people there man a lot of really big names there kevin nash from wwe for all you wrestling fanatics was there as well oh yeah which was pretty cool. You know, Big Sexy, Kevin Nash, was in the building. Oh, and dude, Tori Wilson was there from WWE. Wow. She is hotter in person than she is on TV. Oh, my God. At one point, I just wanted to drop everything and just forget the show and just go, you know, like, 
try to hit on Tori Wilson. She was a goddess. Good luck. Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, it, was. <laughs> it didn't work out for me. That was only in my imagination was, was I doing that. But, uh, yeah, it was really cool, man. It was a uh, really, really cool event. So I'm looking forward to next month. Well, what uh, what is it like? Is it just like the other ones, they just have booths set up everywhere and different things, or do they have? Uh, do they do any speakings or or releases of new things there? I mean, what do they do? Oh yeah, well, I didn't get to experience the entire awesomeness of the event because I was you know doing the shows and stuff with uh, SoFlo Radio and the guys of the Pow Wow. You know, got to give them a big shout out, man. They did an awesome job. Uh, Louis Amato, Louis the Artist, as he calls himself, and Joe D or Joe Daddy as they call him on the air. Uh, you know, they did a, a really, really cool job, and they were really, really good. And, uh, you know, like the, the whole setup, uh, from what I saw, because remember, I didn't get to really experience the whole thing because I was, like, kind of stuck doing, you know, work, basically. Uh, I did walk around a little bit, and I got to see a little bit of it, but they did have, like, Q&A sessions. Uh, they had greet and meets, uh, you know, autograph sessions, stuff like that with fans. Every, pretty much, every big comic book store that is anywhere in the U.S., had a representative there, pretty much. You know, they they went out there and they had their own booth set up to sell their own comic books, you know, or sell comic books. Uh, in fact, I saw one of the earlier editions uh, of uh, of Spider-Man and Superman, original prints of the original like Superman Spider-Mans, and uh, it, almost in mint condition. Dude. It was like in hard plastic, and they were selling it for like you know ungodly amount of money. But you you know you could actually buy stuff there, and it was pretty cool because you know it was like little shops kind of set up. It almost felt like going to a flea market. That's kind of what it was—a flea market with nothing but stuff for nerds. That's really what it was—a flea market for nerds. Fanboy. And I felt at home. I I was right in. I was like, as soon as I passed by the DeLorean, I was like, this is where I belong. I'm. (laughs) So cool. Yep, and you could have sat in that DeLorean for forty bucks. That's you know I have a story about that. It's funny when I walked in before I went to the booth on Saturday, I wa- I'm walking by the DeLorean and I'm like, oh my god, this is like the coolest replica because it's a replica they had there. It wasn't the original DeLorean. It was you know a fan made replica and they got Team Fox, which is Michael J. Fox's organization, to like sponsor it and uh, a lot of the donations from the from the photos are actually going to help Team Fox, which helps with uh, Parkinson's and, and you know the stuff that he's dealing with and. Uh, you know, for research and, and stuff. Really good cause, actually. Really, really good cause. And uh, when I went by, I, I actually started taking pictures of the car with my phone. I was like, man, this is badass. I'm going to post this all over the Internet. And then the lady comes up to me and she goes, you know, we, we charge $40 for the pictures, right? And I'm like, holy shit, I took like eight of them. So I just I was like, oh, really? Well, I, look, I'll erase them. And I just walked away. Like, I, I jetted out of there. And... Uh, didn't go back for the rest of the day. I just went to the booth, and it was funny because the next day we ended up interviewing the lady, and she was really nice. And uh, we actually ended up, you know, getting free stuff, uh, you know, from her pretty much. You know, we ended up getting pictures and all kinds of stuff anyway, so it was kind of cool. But it was it was a pretty funny first, uh, you know, first taste of Comic Con down here. You know, it was yeah, you got to pay for everything, man. That's the one thing, and it's expensive. Yeah. I'm talking about like sixty, seventy dollars. Uh, you know, Adam West. It, that's another one that was funny. The first booth you see when you walked in was Adam West and Burt uh, Ward. You know, Batman and Robin next to each other in a booth, autographing for people, and the prices were ridiculous, from thirty dollars all the way to like a hundred dollars, basically. And I'm walking in, and I'm like, holy crap, it's Adam West. And I pull out my phone to take a picture. Just to, you know, snap a picture from far away. I wasn't even, like, next to him or anything. I was just, like, trying to record, you know. 
And uh, here comes one of the guys in yellow telling me, no, you can't take any pictures. It's, uh, no, no, go read that sign over there. And literally put his hand over my camera, and I had to go, and I looked at the sign and said, no photographs unless it's, you know, paid for, and, you know, they had the price guide and all that stuff on there. And I was, I was blown away. I was like, this is commercialism at its best, hitting the nerds where it hurts. Because, you know, I wanted to get a picture with them, but uh, there's no way I was going to pay 80 bucks for it. It just wasn't happening. Maybe for William Shatner, though, that... Don't blame me a bit. No, yeah, that's ridiculous. Just to get a picture yeah, taken? It's too much. Yeah, I mean, it's just too much, man. I mean, seriously. Well, see, I mean, seriously, you know, I Adam think West they should cool, be but, paying us. But They should be paying us to take their picture with us. Mm-hmm. But that's just my opinion. I, I agree. At this point, yeah. Yeah. I, I can't complain because I paid 55 bucks to get a picture with Dan Aykroyd, but, I, you know, he had to buy his skull, so. Yeah, but see, you, you got a cool souvenir out of it, you know? You got a nice souvenir out of it. I mean, yeah, granted, a picture with, you know, Adam West would be a cool souvenir to have, but, dude, you got a badass crystal skull vodka bottle autographed by Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. That's pimp. That's what I'm saying. That is pimp. Oh, yeah. And that costs a lot more money than a sheet of paper with some glossy picture printed over it. It costs maybe 75 cents to print. So, you know, there's that also. Sure. But anyway. Okay. Uh, yeah, I had a great time, man. Where You know, next time, next event, Megacon, which is the one in Orlando, we might do some remote stuff for Jackal's Head and, and uh, whatnot at night, which would be kind of cool. You know, shows at 10 p.m. Eastern, and that, that event normally ends at 8 o'clock, but... Uh, we'll figure something out because I do have a show those nights. So uh, it'll be kind of interesting. I'm going to end up doing a show outside of my home for the first time on Jackal's Head. Huh. We'll see how that goes. Wish me well. It's an interesting challenge at times. For me, a lot of I've done a, a few remotes like that. Oh, yeah, well, that too. It's always a challenge. Always uh-huh. a challenge. Speaking of challenges, uh, we have uh, Steve Bassett coming up here in a couple minutes, and that's going to be a challenge all on its own, I guess, uh, to, to you know uh, get a word in when he's uh, giving us the goods. Because I really don't like <laughs> you know cutting him off. He's just he's man. I, I like listening to him talk. He's you know he's like the type of guy that I ask him a question, and I just want to hear him speak for the next half hour. So I mute myself, you know, pack a bowl, and I'm and I'm like, just go, man. <laughs> Let's hear what you got to say, because you know you're a badass. Go to the bathroom and come back. Yeah, he he's, he likes to talk, but he's got a lot of information, so it's worth it. You know, it's funny. My my brother heard when he was on the show not long ago, and my brother's not like a big fan of the show. You know, he's you know he he tries, but it's not really his thing. The whole talk radio thing. Uh, but he actually heard the show and he heard Steve on, and he was like, "My God, that guy's so smart." He, Jesus Christ, man, he was talking about stuff that I had never even thought about or heard of, and I'm like. Yeah, that's like the fifth time I've had him on my show, and uh, that's like a typical conversation for us. And he's like, are you <laughs> kidding me? Like, he was blown away by the fact that It's closer I to, to a, a monologue, smart, but know. nevertheless. Dude, but it, it's Steve Bassett, man. Come on. He's, you know, he is, <laughs> I'd like to meet well, him as much as I'd like to meet Will, William Shatner, put it that way, in person. Uh, well, actually, I'm probably going to be meeting Steve for the first time in December. Sweet. So at the Pythagoras Conference in Louisville, Kentucky. Nice. That so, sounds like fun. More news Louisville, to come Kentucky. on that. 
that. Yeah, it's kind of strange how. Uh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead, because I'm going somewhere else. With no. It, so. <laughs> I, I was uh, just going to say it's, it's kind of strange how Dr. Stephen Greer has kind of kind of dropped out of the spotlight <clears throat> for the most part has, when it comes yeah, to this. Yeah, he really has. And Bassett's, you know, the main one there talking about it. You know, all uh, Greer's been doing is his radio show, and he, you know, he's not making as much news as he did in '09 and in '010. Maybe we'll ask Steve. Ask, uh, yeah. yeah, let's ask Steve about that. See, see what he has to say about that. But guys, let's go on a little break and get Mr. Bassett on the line here with us on Skywatchers Radio and get this, you know, party on the road and uh, get it rolling. So, uh, cool. Stick around, Skywatchers Radio. If anybody wants to call in to talk to Mr. Bassett, seven eight six two four five eighty one twenty seven is the number. Dial it, and uh, you'll get on with Steve Bassett. A ufology idol of mine so stick around for that guys we'll be right back down to your computer but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go talk stream live introduces our first ever iphone application the talk shows you follow now follow you and your iphone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the internet listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day seven days a week mobile talk radio from talk stream live now available in the itunes app store roswell ufos flying saucers alien abduction 
Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California gold rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Adventures in time and space, transcribed in future tense. The powwow. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one. Disorder never sounded so good. From the far horizons of the unknown come tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could be years on a thousand maybe worlds. Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine presents... The Pow Wow. Weekends at 12. Only on SoFloRadio.com. Hi everybody, this is Boca Brian once again to tell you about my latest CD of religious comedy bits. Word of Boca. All my smash hits made famous throughout the world. Or the, well, not exactly the world. Let's see. Parts of Okeechobee down to, oh, I'd say, a calendar. Well, like I was saying, the most requested religious comedy bits ever to be heard all over your radio for too short a time. You'll get such hits as... You'll get Father O'Toole. Amen. And this all-time Boca classic. They were speaking in tongues. That made me a believer. Yes, it's Word of Boca. About 30 all-time certified aluminum religious hits by Boca Brian, who sits on the middle finger of God while singing about men of the moist cloth. That's Word of Boca. Available now at all Peaches, Records, and, uh, I mean, at order yours today by clicking on the album cover on SoFloRadio.com. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com
right, everybody, 786-245-8127 is the number. Welcome back to Skywatchers Radio with myself, Angel, Jamie, Rick, and our guest of the night, Mr. Stephen Bassett. Welcome to the show, Mr. Bassett. Good to be with you. It's an honor having you back on Skywatchers Radio. It's been a while since you've been on this particular show, but uh, recently I had you on, of course, on the Jackal's Head, and that was phenomenal. And thank you again for making time for us, man. You're, you're a gentleman for always making time for us. We really do appreciate it. Uh, of course. Happy to do so. And I have to say, oh, guys. this is Rick. I have to say that you can turn that off anytime. Oh, sorry about that. Um, sorry about that. I, just, uh, I have to say, I envy you, man. For your trip to Australia, yes, uh, yeah, that was good. Last year, <laughs> had a uh, about a uh, Levin City little tour put together around the Nexus Conference. It's held in Brisbane every year, and I met a lot of people. It was a very good, good trip. A wonderful place, wonderful people. You uh, you really almost hate to leave the place when you get done. Well, I understand you also made a stop in Perth. Yeah, I started off in Perth, actually. Um, that's where I began and worked my way east. Uh, and a lot of, had a great turnout, uh, a lot of uh, support there. Uh, it's a, and it's a really beautiful city uh, on, the, on the west coast of, of Australia. So, again, it was, it was a great tour. The interest in the subject is very high down there, uh, particularly political, I think, resolution of the issue uh, as well. But, of course, the Australian government and Australian intelligence is extremely tight with the U.S. So the Australia is not really oh, yeah. doing anything on a governmental level to, to uh, I would just say, create any, uh, rock the boat with respect to disclosure. Yeah, they don't, they don't want to stir anything up with the U.S. right now. No, they're not going to do that. They're very close with us. So, yeah. But the people themselves are getting quite hip to the fact that uh, this thing needs to get resolved here pretty mm-hmm. soon. So the it's amazing not so much in Australia, but the no, go, go, go ahead, ahead Rick. The uh, not so much in no, Australia, no. but in Indonesia, Malaysia, <clears throat> all over Southeast Asia or Western Pacific, sightings are up <clears throat> by several orders of magnitude. Did any of that get addressed during your trip? Well, certainly, all the sightings that are taking place. It's hard to know whether sighting, the number of sightings is greater or lesser um, at any given time. Um, the, the, the presence of these ETs certainly is, is global, and they can be seen almost anywhere. But uh, obviously in some countries it's much, likely, much less likely that anything would be said or reported. Uh, there's much less news. News organizations... Uh, certainly of late, people have become much more aware of the issue uh, and are looking at the skies more. So whether there has been more presence of ETs, whether there's just been more attention being paid to it, whether the media is, being, is, is, is writing more stories, it's hard to say. But the coverage of the issue has clearly increased. And uh, so awareness is growing now just to almost universal proportions. Uh, Mexico has had a flap going on down there since 91. Everybody in Mexico knows about OVNIs. Britain has published, oh, God, several thousand, I think, news articles with one uh, ET connection or another in their papers all up and down the aisles. You've got stuff coming out of, uh, of China. 
Uh, you've got, of course, Internet media and press, which has grown in the last 10 years. And there's a lot of the material there. So the amount of coverage is just uh, enormous. So pretty soon, uh, there's going to be virtually no one in the world, uh, on any continent, uh, in any nation, that doesn't know that there's something going on here, uh, whether they have an opinion yet or not. Uh, but they know something is going on. So you're approaching a sort of global saturation, which is kind of what you would expect uh, at this point and uh, what you would like to have prior to a major disclosure event where the governments finally do announce the ET presence. That way people will be you know, a little less likely to get upset about it. We hope. We hope. God, do we hope. So <laughs> So uh, <clears throat> what kind of news coverage did you have on your Australian soiree? It was respectable. Uh, there was a number of articles and papers. And, uh, but to be honest, uh, the day I arrived in Perth was the, uh, the day that the previous prime minister uh, was uh, forced to step down within his own party and replaced by the deputy prime minister, who is uh, Julia Gillard. Uh, so essentially on that day, the um, Australia had a new prime minister, and she was the first woman prime minister in the history of Australia. So it was really the, the next 30 days, which is when I was there, 30, 40 days, was a rather extraordinary time in, in Australian politics. So uh, I lost a lot of media because of that, and clearly the media had other things to tend to. So that, that limited somewhat. But uh, there was some coverage. And how, again, the trip was quite successful. And then I came back to the U.S. and um, uh, not much longer after that, went back to the U.K., or rather back to Europe. I was speaking in Malta, and then I went up to the U.K. and then did some stops in Europe, came back to Florida. Yeah, I, I was at the Florida event. You had just come back uh, from London, I believe. I was the guy that tripped behind you in front of everybody. <laughs> okay. Remember that? <laughs> that was so funny. I was filming the uh, lecture, and uh, I went outside and came back in, and, and it was just pitch black, and all I could see was the spotlight. And uh, so I walked down, and there was about a foot between uh, him and the steps, and just as I tried to creep behind him, he took a step backwards, and I, my foot caught the extension cord, and I was pretty embarrassed. But uh, uh, I got to say, it, it, you know, the the lecture was amazing. After, you know, after listening and watching it, uh, I kind of came to the conclusion that you hold a lot of stuff back for these lectures, and it was it was truly amazing. Um, all the information you gave out that you know I've never really heard you talk about on any of our shows. So it was definitely a great lecture. How many of them did you do when you came back in the U.S.? Because I know after that you went to Tampa and moved on. I did about four down in southern Florida because um, I was visiting some people and it all sort of came together. Then I came back out to L.A. I, uh, I'm, I'm speaking more and more frequently, sometimes in smaller, smaller groups, particularly in these tours, sometimes larger groups. But, uh, and I'm going back to the U.K. in April for an extended trip. It could last many months. And um, I'm going to try, uh, I've already done the research, and, Really, there's nothing to prevent it from happening. A little bit of front money, but not much. I'm going to try to set up a, a, a university tour, uh, which you can do if, you, if you're willing to book the, the auditoriums yourself. 
uh, and I've already identified about eight, nine universities in London where this could happen, and and see if we can what what kind of response we can get from the students. See if we can get some of them and their faculty into this. It will be a public event, uh, and we'll see how that goes. If it goes, I may continue that, uh, and then may go over to Europe. The, the 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 gist is that is that I'm 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 in a position. I, I have very little funding, but I have a huge amount of support around the world. So I'm always able to have a place to stay, which is oftentimes the key uh, expense issue because you not usually find cheap ways to travel. Often, sometimes the travel is covered, and so uh, because I'm, I'm not I don't have a fixed location now, uh, and I'm backed by supporters in that sense, I'm able to move around. Uh, others are, have commitments to their to their uh, home situation. I don't. So uh, I'm really able to travel, and I've been talking a lot around the world, and I continue to do so because th this is a global issue, and, and uh, the awareness of Mexico politics is growing outside the U.S. just as fast as it is here, maybe even faster in Europe. So that uh, the political resolution of this issue is 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 at hand, and it's very important that that the more no nations that are involved. The more people that know about it, the better. Now, I know that there's a lot going on in the world. I know that uh, the, the 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 Arab world, I guess you say, the Arab Muslim world is is in rather extraordinary time, and that's good uh, in a sense. I think the people are seeing some change. They're they're, getting, they're seeing some empowerment, not surprisingly, coming from the internet through the internet, which is the ultimate uh, uh, how would you say um, balancing uh, technology of all time. And that's fine, oh, yeah. but you know the human race can multitask. Uh, and so, while the while the Middle East and so forth sees change, the disclosure process is going to can't take a back seat to that uh, because it's every bit as big, if not bigger. So, uh, but that kind of change, that kind of empowerment, is, is actually works quite quite well with what we're seeing. The truth embargo is a massively conducted macro uh, program that was uh, put in place back in the early 50s by the United States for national security reasons. Billions of dollars were spent on it. Other nations went along with it. Uh, so it's a non-trivial thing. And uh, ending it will require a fairly concerted effort and a global effort, and, and that's what's coming together. So perhaps we'll see the end of the truth embargo, the form formal acknowledgement of the ET presence, and a revolution in the Arab nations where you have uh, a mammoth representative governments all happening at the same time, which would be uh, pretty cool, frankly. How's the uh, how's the exopolitics uh, world network going? I know that you were, you know, still looking for people to fill certain spots, and it it, it was growing tremendously. Has it continued to grow, and has the the exopolitics site has somebody uh, taken that project over? Uh, it, it, it's uh, it's right now. It's kind of stable. Uh, I think there's another country that's going to come on shortly. It might be, be Chile. I'm not sure which one, but up around 25, 26 countries. Mo a lot of the important ones. There are 200 countries in the world, so we got a ways to go. But uh, it, it, it's it's going to add more countries. It's, it's inevitable, and we're fine with that. Of course, uh, that's all at exopoliticsworld.net. Uh, and and the way it works is. You know, if you're in one of the countries that's not yet does not yet have a portal site, and it's first come first serve. So if they get in touch with PRG and say, "I'm a, I'm interested in in the UFO issue, exopolitics. I want to get involved, and I I know how to make websites. I want to do it." You, they got it, right? It's not a lot of lot of there's not a lot of elaborate application process. It's very much an open uh, architecture situation. It's all volunteer, but no money exchanges hands. 
the other thing you mentioned was, yeah, I, I am running the U United States website, uh, but I, I'm just not able to give it the attention. PRG is seven websites right to begin with, and I've got an activist, you know, a plate pretty full, and I'm not a good webmaster. I haven't had the time to really. I'd love to do it, though. I mean, I really would love to to increase my skills and become a whiz. Yeah. Uh, but that PRG site is dated and needs to be upgraded. Uh, it would be great if somebody who, but it, and would ha in this case, would have to be a strong person, um, very skilled in the web and, and committed to this issue. But if such a person turned up, uh, I'd be very, very much interested in turning the United States website over to them to run. You know, it would be their thing. They could redesign it completely, whatever, uh, and give it the kind of attention it deserves. Um, so that's a possibility. Nobody has yet approached me on that, probably because they know it's going to be a fairly, uh, you know, a lot of time and effort is going to be involved. But it would, it's the mo obviously the most important, probably the most important website, would be normally if it were more uh, active, uh, the most important website in the ExoPolitics World Network. So we'll see how that works out. Again, it's a grassroots thing, and it will grow as it grows. Uh, but so far, it's it's been a very positive force, and a lot of good things have come from it. From it. You got one, Jack? Oh, I got I got another. Totally yeah. Oh, go, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask if uh, if you have had the chance to read uh, Kim Carlsberg's new book. I know you talked about it at your lecture about her yes. first book, and I, I love the idea behind her book of getting personal stories her her second one just came out uh have you had a chance to look it over and and what do you think about it oh yeah uh, uh i in fact uh prg raised the funding for that book uh a very nice gentleman uh oh, wow. who uh, a company in australia called uh, uh bionics um uh products he uh, put up the money so they could be self-published the publishing industry is collapsing and if no, generally, exactly, particularly yeah. in the genre of UFO ETs, if you try to publish to a publisher, you're mm -hmm. in deep trouble. Uh, if you self-publish, on the other hand, and you do do it right, you can actually do very well and and uh, have have the money to to do other things and, and do more books. Any event, uh, yeah, uh, the first run was printed overseas, and and, and because that was necessary, because it's 350 four-color pages. Uh, and it's a essentially a kind of artistic survey of the, of the encounter reality, 150 accounts plus some introductory art. It's the only book of its kind in the world, and uh, uh, it's an important book. And the reason that I backed her on this, I wouldn't if she had been doing a book about just maybe just UFO thing or something else, I would not have intervened because I don't have the resources really to do that. But uh, I, I do have time. But because of the specific nature of the book, I got involved. Uh, the I believe the next major exopolitical development, uh, in terms of the disclosure process, there may be other more major developments like disclosure itself, but is the emergence of the contactees. Um, the, the vast majority of contactees are either know that they're involved in this phenomena and utterly... Uh, unwilling to talk about it, so they're in the closet, or they don't have the memories. They may have an inkling or something. They don't have memories, so they don't really have anything to talk about. They are, in fact, contactees. Only a tiny percentage had come forward in a public way. A much larger number have sent accounts to researchers, but that is, which are essentially private correspondents, so they're not necessarily out of the closet. Many, many of these accounts are, are sent anonymously. 
The number is hard to know. Uh, obviously, there's no easy way to assess it. There have been surveys done where people are asked questions which a competent researcher would sort of know is indicative of being a contactee. And they always come up with numbers which are just too uh, large to 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 uh, digest. Um, two, three, four, even eight uh, percent. Understand, there's six billion people in the world, so every every percent is uh, is uh, sixty million people. Um, so one percent would be sixty million contactees. Two would be 120 million. Uh, let's just say it's a very big number. And uh, so here's the deal. Uh, as we go forward. They are going to start coming forward. It's, it's, it's obviously more known. Uh, as, every, as more people talk about it, the more safe people are going to feel, and their numbers are going to grow. And at some point, you've really got a sort of political force there. But it gets even more significant because, and this kind of thing has happened before, it's inevitable that uh, some people who are known, celebrities, people maybe that are, that are powerful people in business, or even powerful politicians. It's not going to shock me at all if you start seeing some people in that genre coming forward at some point and saying, you know, I, 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 I don't know what it means in the big, big picture, but I've been dealing with this ET thing since I was five years old. Now, now, now the impact of that could be quite dramatic. So uh, this book, I think, is an excellent way for people to, to comfortably to sort of get into this, to drop into it. People that are not going to read John Mack's couple books or they're not going to read uh, some of the long reports and studies, but they can get a sense of what people are is happening to them. So this book, which is one of a kind, I think could open up the door for people to discuss this issue, talk about this issue, and it could result in a lot of contactees coming forward. Let me be clear. I do not I'm not telling any contactees that they should come forward. This is a decision that they have to make. Everybody's situation is different, and it can be not fun. I mean, it can be it can go great, can go terrible. I'm simply stating that uh, some are going to do that, and to the extent that they that this awareness grows, it'll make it easier for those to do. Uh, and so that's why I got behind this book. She she was at the uh, the International UFO Congress conference, which was just held in Phoenix five days, and it was an exceptional conference. John Rao and Open Minds Productions uh, bought the conference from Terry and Bob Brown. It had run for 19 years, cool. uh, primarily in Laughlin. Terry died two years ago. Bob is, is, is obviously, you know, uh, been at it a long time, and he wanted to retire. John yeah. bought it. There was a lot of concern that maybe it would kind of come undone. Well, not the case. Uh, John Rao has the funds to do things right, and so the conference was professional. It had all the bells and whistles. It had excellent AV, a lot of room. It's a beautiful resort there, not too expensive. Um, they're uh, just northeast of uh, Phoenix, up near Fountain Hills. Attendance was somewhere in the range of 900. Uh, very strong uh, atmosphere, very positive. And Kim was there with the books, extremely well received. She sold quite a few of the books, uh, gave about 30 away to key researchers and other contactee associates got a very strong response. So you're going to be hearing more about the art of close encounters. I expect she'll be doing coast to coast soon, and eventually the book, once she gets finally gets settled down, she lost her home to the B of A bankruptcy. I think a lot of people can relate to that. As soon as she gets resettled, uh, it's going to go up on Amazon as part of the author program. 
so that's you know long answer, but it's an important answer. The contact phenomena is 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 growing, and contactees may become the next major factor in the disclosure process, particularly in the United States. And one more reason why the truth embargoes days are simply numbered. Now, I have a question. Uh, speaking of contactees, you know, I had a conversation with a good friend uh, named George uh, recently about the fact that there's very little evidence that's been coming, you know, out in the last decade uh, regarding the UFO phenomenon. Uh, are we seeing contactees with implants? Because I haven't really heard a lot of uh, contactees come forward claiming that they have implants in, the, in a long time. Uh, are, are a lot of the contactees, you know, that have come out recently, are, are there any of them that are claiming to have implants that are you know, something, you know, phenomenal that we haven't seen before, or, or at least something well, that, you, you know, could shed some proof? For, when you said recent evidence for UFOs, I think you meant recent evidence for contact phenomena. That's what you meant. For contact, right, for contact. Not, right, right. Uh, he, he, well, here's the thing. Uh, here's what, yeah, I think you're experiencing. Uh, the, the, the number of people that have the wherewithal, <laughs> the guts, to... <laughs> engage this, uh, the research of this phenomenon are very, very few. You can eliminate in almost in the entire, red, uh, how would you say, accredited uh, uh, and registered and credentialed uh, medical community. All, all the uh, mm -hmm. uh, licensed psychiatrists, psychologists, doctors in general, right. they don't do it. They don't touch it because they are definitely right. afraid that their, their, their career and practice could be damaged. And so uh, people who are out have, uh, uh, generally are not uh, licensed psychiatrists. They are, they are lay people, but they, are trained, they train themselves as best they can. They get into this. There's no money. It's it virtually all done for free. It's just a very, very few people that are willing to do this. Uh, as, and, and, uh, and, and a number of them are, have grown older and or have died. John Mack, of course, was killed in, in London in, in, in an unfortunate accident. Right. Uh, uh, yep. Bud Hopkins is 80. Uh, and, mm. and dealing with multiple illnesses. Dave Jacobs has been at it for 30 years. Uh, you've got, uh, after that, you have a lot of women researchers who are, have been involved, but their numbers are not growing. And so the fact is, is that right. without yeah. uh, under the truth embargo, the, the number of people that, are, the number of new researchers are just not there. And so we've sort of hit a plateau of, 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 of information gathering. But the fact is that, that certainly going back to the 80s, We've got more than enough information to confirm the ET presence. And you know, my apologies to uh, Susan Clancy at Harvard and the entire massive Harvard academic complex there. Unfortunately, you know, the sleep uh, paralysis doesn't quite explain the several hundred thousand cases that have been reported in print. Uh, but in any event, uh, there's more than enough evidence has been amassed. Many, many implants have been taken out, scores and scores of them. Some are in the hands of uh, Roger Lear, some are in the hands of Daryl Sims, but others have them. There's even a rumor that Steven Spielberg has right. a collection of them. Uh, and in many cases, oh, wow. these people, you know, it's not like they go and get an implant taken out and they want to rush down to New York Times. A lot of people are getting implants taken out, possibly without telling anybody. In other words, they're going to a doctor saying, remove this and give it to me. And they're not, they're not right. making a big deal out of it. Um, so, but many have been taken out. And, 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 that, and St St Spielberg made a big deal out of the implants in his... Um, Taken miniseries, that hundred million dollar right, largest yeah. miniseries ever, uh, made a big deal out of it for a reason. Um, it's one of the most significant pieces of evidence uh, out there, of course. But again, it's the kind of evidence that really can't move the media much because the the the, the scientific understanding necessary to really assess what those things are 
uh, and, and be motivated about their extraterrestrialness is simply beyond the average person and beyond virtually everyone in the media. And so it's simply right. some evidence. Uh, but for those in the know, it's, it's very powerful confirmation uh, that the, the, the contactee phenomenon is real. So I don't expect a, a burst of new uh, contact information coming out, frankly. What I expect is a burst of contactees coming out. Now, have we ever come back with any results on any of the the past uh, implants that have been removed and, and come up with anything that, you know, looks really out of this world? I mean, what has been some of the results? I know there's been strange alloys and stuff like that found, but uh, what is some of the strangest stuff that's been found, do you know? Well, you're getting into some technical areas that are sort of outside <laughs> my purview. I'm a political activist, not a researcher. Roger Lear has probably done more <laughs> okay. to analyze the, uh, the uh, material uh, and let me tell you, it's probably, yeah. We we're, were, were uh, talking about him earlier, actually. Yeah. Yeah, you can spend a fortune uh, on uh, some 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 materials like that, and and what you end up with is some rather anomalous, uh, maybe isotopic ratios. Well, great, but I mean, right. what do you do with that? I mean, the New York Times would say, "Hey, I got some anomalous isotopic ratios," and they say, "Great," you know, and you all spend go fourteen and hours explaining to the reporter what that actually is. What now? Yeah, <laughs> and then spend fourteen hours trying to explain to a reporter what yeah, those yeah. words mean. So a lot of a lot of a lot of the research that's been done, and this is one of the reasons why we have to have a political solution. A lot of the research that's been done is important, but you have to understand for it to really be fleshed out or to, to finally have a home, it's going to have to be taken up by the mainstream world. It's going to have to go, uh, mainstream science. It's going to have to go all back through it and run it through the whole rigmarole, the whole peer review which they are not going to do until after disclosure. This is simply the way it is. So that a lot of the research that's been done simply can impact. It's not going to impact the disclosure process. It's not a, it's not a criticism. It's simply uh, a fact in, in, in light of the truth embargo and, and the ghettoization of the issue and where we stand culturally. But it's still important work, and it will be recognized. And, and I think the people that did this work, though maybe they're not going to get any offered any positions at Harvard Research Labs, uh, are going to, I think, play a part in the the reassessment post-disclosure that will then eventually lead to a full scientific vetting of this. And you'll have papers appearing in journals about this implant and that implant. But remember, that's in the post-disclosure world when all of the world's governments have essentially confirmed there's an ET presence here, folks. Uh, but uh, going into it. So I don't spend a lot of time there. I, I try to be as supportive when I can. But um, uh, the key to, and this is an important point, fellas, which I, I, I occasionally bring up, and I, here's a chance to do it. For everybody out there, whether you're a contactee, whether you're just a person that doesn't know what's going on and you suddenly learn about this, or you're a researcher, or even an activist, it will really help your mental health if you make a concerted effort to divide the world up into two halves. Uh, everything post-disclosure, everything pre-disclosure. right? And then, as you decide what you're going to do, or how you're going to react to something, Try to assess, is it appropriate to, do, to react this way or, or go down that road in the pre-disclosure world or would it be better in the post-disclosure world? And if you can get most of that right so that you're pursuing those things pre-disclosure that makes sense and you're not trying to do stuff pre-disclosure that simply is not going to work until after disclosure, you get a much more effective use of your time. You'll have a lot less, less anxiety. Now, you know, everybody's going to do what they're going to do. I'm just giving some advice here, but this is something I've learned in the 15 years at this, that there are some things that simply cannot be done in the pre-disclosure world, 
and the, and sometimes it's best to you know accept that and move on and do what you can do. Uh, then that's my piece of advice of the day. Makes sense, actually, for me. And, okay. you know, it's funny because I always get the I, I get the question. Look, I get this question a lot from people that I talk to outside of our group here. That you know that believe in the subject 100. percent You know, they always ask, "Well, where's the evidence?" You know, where's the evidence, really? And again, you're getting to exactly what my answer is to them all the time: is well, you kind of got to you have to wait for a disclosure to get the evidence because you're really not going to get it. I don't think. Uh, period, until disclosure does happen. So I know, I'm with I know, you. I you're it. actually like, making like, perfect sense. It's like somebody goes on a show <laughs> or goes on a television show, and they're talking about the latest finding and, and say, new, yep. uh, the quantum mechanics. And, and so somebody, some debunker will say, well, well where's the evidence? Well, it, it's over at the MIT you know, you know, campus. Yeah. <laughs> it's at the library of, of, uh, of, uh, of Harvard. It's over at you know, CERN. Go get it, you know. But <laughs> you know, exactly. They expect to somehow show up at the show with, with you know several thousand books and a couple of thousand files and a chalkboard <laughs> and walk into the studio. And you have all the evidence with you. It, 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 it's a stupid and an actual gray thing. with you. <laughs> yeah, and, and having a gray, maybe a couple of pieces of a saucer plus an immediate film. But yeah, there you while go. it's a stupid <laughs> statement, it is exactly the kind of thing you get under the truth embargo. Uh, the truth embargo yeah. sort of creates the, the circumstances where somebody could actually make a, a question like, "Where is the evidence?" Um, uh, you know, it's like telling somebody, "Well, the world is the world is uh, uh, around; it's not flat." And you say, "Well, where is the evidence?" Well, just go up into orbit and look down. Well, well, I don't want to do exactly. that. Where is the evidence? So this kind of silliness is is simply a product of the truth embargo, and you know, it's very irritating yep. and frustrating, and it's also embarrassing and. Uh, and it's not not a good thing. So the, the truth embargo, when it ends, will hopefully minimize that kind of nonsense. Uh, there's nothing wrong if, if somebody says to you, "Where is the specific evidence that um, uh, Philip Corso worked uh, as a staff member on Eisenhower's uh, National Security Council?" Uh, 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 and then you find, okay, you know, go to that book, read this. That's fine, but that's not what they mean. Where's the evidence? Meaning. Where's the conclusive absolute proof of the extraterrestrial hypothesis? Why isn't it sitting there on the desk right now as you're talking? It, you know, what can I say? You know, they need to grow up. <laughs> hey, we, we need yeah, to go much. to a break here in a minute, but when we come back from a break, I'm yep. going to give you an example of how you can cure that. Okay? There you go. Okay. <laughs> That'll work. Guys, right. stick around, and we're going to take calls also in a little bit. So if anybody wants to call in, you know the number is 786 Two four five eighty one twenty seven. Call on in and we'll get on with Mr. Steve Bassett. Stick around, guys. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. 
Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more supermanhomepage.com mental disorders are common in the United States and internationally an estimate 26.2 percent of Americans ages 18 and older suffer from some sort of mental illness now this figure translates to 57.7 million people who suffer from some sort of mental breakdown if you find yourself laying in bed on a Saturday or Sunday night hearing voices while you're trying to sleep well it might not be that demonic being from another dimension trying to kill you where you sleep might just be your mental illness starting to kick in so if you're out of meds for the night then i have just the thing come listen to my show the jackal's head on the super media network you can check out our listen live page only on www.psn-radio.com see you there this ad has been paid for by the Jackal's Head and the War on Terror. Hi, everybody. This is Boca Brian. Once again, I tell you about my latest CD of the Winter's Comedy Word of Boca. All my smash hits made famous throughout the world for the, well, not exactly the world. Let's see. Parts of Okeechobee down to, no, I'd say, Well, like I was saying, the most requested religious comedy bits ever to be heard all over your radio for too short a time. You'll get such hits as... You'll get Father O'Toole, amen, and this all-time Boca classic. They were speaking in tongues, that made me a believer. Yes, it's Word of Boca, about 30 all-time certified aluminum religious hits by Boca Brian, who sits on the middle finger of God while singing about men of the moist cloth. That's Word of Boca, available now at all Peaches, Records, and, uh, I mean, at order yours today by clicking on the album cover on SoulGlowRadio.com. Attention, business. This is Commander Dork of Planetary Federation, not Chinese. You are listening to the finest talk show stream available on the internet of this backwater planet. This is the Soup Media Network. Duck and cover. All right, everybody, we're back on Skywatchers Radio here on PSN Radio with Mr. Steve Bassett, our 
awesome guest of the night here, and I uh, want to welcome everybody who's listening in through Shotcast, through the website, and who's going to be listening later on on the podcast. Guys, please make your way to PSN Radio. Join up on there, please. You know, we like to have members join our website. It's kind of cool. Please interact with us. We also have Sleep Media Network. Uh, please check that website out and also join there. And anybody who wants to call on in, open lines will be available here in the next few minutes, so please call on in. If you, want, if you want to ask Mr. Steve Bassett anything, this is the moment to do so. So 786-245-8127. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you. And uh, I was going to give Stephen an example of how he might be able to conquer some of that naysayer, stand-up, and listen-to-me type guy, person, entity. Well, one way is kick him right in the groin. Uh, that, that always works. That's my route for everything. Violence actually, there's always, a better way to I get their attention. Um, <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah, but you, you've been the victim of it before, too, so you know it works. Yes, I have. Um, yes, it, I, yes, it does. <laughs> Uh, a little bit of background to this anecdote. I used to teach laser safety, which was a very precision uh, requirement in the outfit where I worked. And the people I taught this to were Navy SEALs and others that were associated with Navy SEALs, whose outfits will remain nameless. Anyway, this is not a real attentive bunch when they get into a nice dark room with a projector and it's warm and fuzzy and they like to snooze a little. And it's a very technical area. So I would purposely arrive a couple minutes late for the first session, pushing a two-wheel cart full of physics books. And I would take a minute to put all those physics books up on the lectern. And I would tell them, the alternative to paying attention in this class is you have to read all these books. And everybody sat up straight. So perhaps the alternative to showing them the evidence is to bring a couple carloads of it and say, have at it. There it is. It's all right here. Or you yeah. can listen to me. Yeah. No, I, I, actually, I thought about something similar. Um, I may yet do it. Uh, I, I, was, uh, I have a bibliography on my website that's, 200 and 2,500 uh, articles, books, and papers, and so forth on the issue, VT, you know, addressing the ET UFO issue. Um, and uh, it really should be up around 6,000. I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge effort. We take several volunteers working for weeks and weeks to get it up to where it needs to be. But the fact is, my thing was put together a bibliography, uh, you know, fairly small type, and printed out on probably easily to fill up three, four, five hundred pages, and just have that with me from time to time. Somebody says, where's the evidence? Just pull it out and just slam it down and say, well, there's 6,000 books, papers, and so forth. You know, have a go. Uh, but there's, there's actually a, a more significant point here. Um, mo most people have seen at one time or another a rather famous movie called Cool, cool Hand Luke with Paul Newman. Uh, he won the Academy Award. goes back in the, uh, I believe it was in the 60s. Yeah. The movie was made. And there's a significant scene in there where, where he is taken out in the yard of the chain gang uh, compound where he was, he was uh, incarcerated. And uh, the boss makes him dig a hole, right, and right, um, when he finally gets done, he goes back and he asks the boss, man, okay, I'm done with the hole. And then he says, well, go back and, and fill the hole up. 
and then he does that, and then and then he comes back and he says, "Well, now go and dig it up again." And the idea not only is to tire him out, right, make him exhausted, but to break him down because one of the one of the most powerful, I think, uh, things that you could do to a human being is to subject them to futility. Uh, we don't like futility very much, and so eventually he does break down. Or at least it seems like he breaks down, and he's in the hole crying away. Uh, this is this is real stuff. Governments do that. And, and one way to look at the area of ufology from 47 to 91 is that the government is basically putting them in a position where they say, okay, prove the UFO issue. And so they go out and they do all the stuff and they'd, they'd come forward with the proof. And they'd say, okay, now, now go take all that stuff, put it back where you found it, and prove it again. And they'd come back. And this went on for decades. Uh, well, th- that's uh, not good and, and very upsetting and very... Uh, 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 boy, what's the word? Uh, certainly, it, it creates a lot of problems, a lot of emotional problems in people. When you do this, you're really breaking them down. Uh, and and it's, it's ugly stuff. Now, in Cool Hand Luke, it went on one night. And in case of ufology, it's been going on for, well, certainly the first 50 years of the phenomena. Prove it again, prove it again, prove mm-hmm. it again, prove it again. Uh, and um, uh, the exopolitics is basically, uh, you know, like Cool Hand Luke saying, you know, just you know, putting on a, we're 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 breaking out, you know, <laughs> we're we're breaking out of the compound <laughs> and we're heading for Louisiana yeah. to get our photo taken with some beautiful girls in a bar there, because uh, we're not going to dig that hole anymore. Uh, it, 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 we're not going to play the government's game anymore. So essentially, here's the deal: ETs are here. Uh, where they're from? Let's debate it, but almost certainly from another planet. Uh, you know it. Right. You know we know it. We know that you know that we know it. And it's time to announce it so we can get on with civilization. And any, any other discussion is, is really not, not of interest to us. So uh, that, that's why I want to make that point. It is, it is important to know. And it's another reason why we need to respect the ufologists and the researchers. Because what they did under the yes. conditions they yep. did uh, was no picnic. And uh, it was brutal. And most of them are dead. They never actually got to see the resolution of their work. Uh, and so I hope that they are properly, um, you know, uh, acknowledged and remembered uh, okay. after this thing is finally past the, um, the, the disclosure point and we're into reality again. Uh, and let's hope as many as possible stick around so they can enjoy that moment. You know what I found funny real quick, so, just uh, to throw something in here? Uh, real quick, I, I don't know if you saw this recently. NASA put out that they, they found 50 planets with uh, possibility of being in the Goldilocks zone where life could exist. Uh, and they've pretty much classified 50 planets as having the possibility of having life. Uh, and I found it pretty uh, amusing that there was an exact number of almost 50 different races of beings that they're supposedly are, we're knowledgeable about uh, that people have been talking about in the last decade. kind of found that number to be kind of a, a funny coincidence it's in the 50s. Well, I, I think disclosure is coming pretty curve. soon. You're slightly yeah. behind the curve, my good. Uh, again, oh, I am. There's been more, huh? <laughs> uh, you see, there's a group of scientists working with the Kepler telescope, and they have been some of the principal uh, a- a- researchers on, on, on planets. Uh, they've been focusing on a certain mm-hmm. area of the galaxy, a certain area of the sky. And uh, they, have, they had finally had come up with enough, uh, how would you say, planets, uh, in that sector, right, of what were apparently representative stars, that they felt they could make a projection, a kind of census of the galaxy. And this was announced and written up about 
six, seven, eight days ago. Uh, it was uh, the article that I saw, and it'll be up on my site if it's not already very soon, was in the Daily Mail in the UK. Based upon their findings so far, uh, their projection, and which will almost certainly grow, guarantee it'll grow, it'll get bigger. Their projection for the galaxy right now is 500 million planets in the Milky hmm. Way hmm. and 50 wow. million planets that are in the Goldilocks zone. Not 50, 50 million in the Goldilocks zone. Wow. So what you have here is another scientific uh, positioning. You have to understand, 30-some years ago, there was a, uh, an anonymous, uh, one of these polls taken of scientists, right, uh, where they could respond privately and anonymously uh, to a, a survey on this issue. And a majority of scientists then said that they, that the UFO phenomenon was, was in some parts uh, extraterrestrial in origin. Scientists are not stupid people, but they are highly right. contained within the embargo. They are really hamstrung. So they've known about this for a very long time. Uh, but they sort of played the game. And, and, of course, the planetary discoveries have made it possible for them to sort of inch forward. Michio Kaku is a perfect example of a scientist who is finding ways to yes. inch his yep. public position forward without really risking his status. Um, but, right. So yep. what you have here is now the scientists saying, hey, yeah, there's 50 million Goldilocks planets out there. So, but I'm sure none of them have any life. It's just ours because we're unique in the, in the universe. Right. So, again, all of the fundamental pillars that, that un, under which the anti-ETH was built are falling away. They're crumbling to nothing. And the scientists are lining themselves up. Uh, you had a, uh, an exo, uh, extraterrestrial life conference recently at the Royal Society of London. That was in January of last year. Uh, they, there was another follow-up on that at the Vatican. There was one in the Vatican in November of 2009. So the Vatican is positioning itself. Saudi Arabia just put a UFO panel into their global competitiveness forum, which is, which is uh, thank, mm. uh, under the tutelage of the royal family and uh, heavy-duty people. Uh, the keynoter was uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, Tony Blair was there. And, and you had Stan Friedman. Friedman there, too, telling an audience of 1,000 people who paid 4000 bucks a ticket that <laughs> there is a, there's a cosmic water gate and there's ETs here. So even yes, Saudi Arabia yep. is positioning itself. Well, you, you kept mentioning 50, 50, 50 million, 50,000, 500 million. 50, yeah, it the number 50, 50 is uh, incredible. Keeps turning up, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, there's yeah. probably, uh, you know, and, if I had to take a and guess. It was, and it will be 51 years, I'm sorry, it'll be 50 years this year since the Drake equation came into being. So, Good old Frank. Yeah, uh, yeah. Good old Frank. Yes. Uh, played ball with embargo all along, but you know he did. He did give us a, <laughs> a, a, a sort of a way to assess this thing, and I appreciate it. But he and Carl yep. made the decision early on that they were going to play ball with the truth embargo for whatever reason. Uh, but let me let me assure you, the number will grow. Uh, this is based upon a limited assessment of a part of the galaxy using the limited technology we have as our technology gets better, they'll find more planets, that number will grow. It'll probably end up being billions of planets yes. in, the, uh, in the galaxy huh. and hundreds of millions, many hundreds of millions. There are probably tens of thousands of advanced civilization in the galaxy. There might even be hundreds of thousands. Uh, so, you know, wow. it's time for us to sort of get over it. Uh, we never were the only life in the universe. We never were the only intelligent life in the galaxy. We never were the most advanced uh, life in the galaxy. We are special, without que we're unique, without question. We have some extraordinary skills, all well and good. But uh, 
folks, <laughs> you're just a part of a huge thing. And the sooner <laughs> we get that yeah. through our heads, you know, the sooner we're going to start acting like sentient human beings as opposed to monkeys with toys. Uh, and we really don't have a lot more time to, to get, figure this out. Uh, or we're going to pretty much ruin everything. Uh, as I say, if you, had a, if you had a cage full of monkeys and you gave them all AK-47s, I assure you there would be a lot of dead monkeys and a lot of dead zoo visitors very soon. So we've got to wake up, we've got to realize, <laughs> hey, the big universe, we're part of it. Uh, we need yep. to, to think about ourselves, our planet, and, and everything else in, in, in a mature way uh, that are worthy of, of a sentient life form. We're not quite there yet, and that makes us extremely dangerous. Not to them, right? We're probably amusing to them, but we are greatly dangerous to ourselves. <laughs> so we're at the, we're at the absolute cre- critical break point, in my opinion. And disclosure is, I think, the, the ultimate indicator that, that we are ready to go forward as opposed to simply sit in our own feces and, 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 and whine and, and, and cry like children. Uh, so for that, the disclosure event is, is, is not only a the most profound event in human history. It's a touchstone event, and it is, it is the coming-of-age moment for us. So that's the kind of stuff that's at stake as we try to advocate for this without virtually any money at all. Uh, but thank God we've got the Internet. I mean, uh, the Internet is, is, it makes us all powerful, and, uh, and uh, while it would be nice to be funded, uh, as long as we have the Internet, we, we do win in the end. Well, it's amazing, but while you were saying all that, I had this vision of Carl Sagan as uh, the the smart ape in Planet of the Apes, you know, but yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that also reminded me at some point in time, I've got to send you the MP3 of Ken Hudnell telling the story of the monkey with the M60 machine gun, um, <laughs> with, and it was a real event. Hell, I got to hear that one too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it Tell is me the pretty clip amazing. Uh, it's not on video, sadly. But too bad. I'll I'll get him to tell it again on camera sometime. But anyway, it, that's not as exciting. It, that's not as exciting as the real thing, though. <laughs> no, I'm. I, I don't think I wanted to be around for the real thing. Well, but that's true too. <laughs> I, your point's well taken. Your point's well taken, Stephen. That uh, monkeys with machine guns are not a good thing to have. But yeah. it, it also takes me to um, what, what is your perception of um, SDI, Strategic Defense Initiative? Was that actually meant for missile shootdown or to shoot down something else? Well, there have been a few people associated with SDI who have sworn on a stack of Bibles that it had absolutely nothing to do with... Uh, extraterrestrials whatsoever. Don Alexander is uh, one who's talked to such people and makes that claim. Um, I'm deeply suspicious, always have been. Um, I, I heard an extraordinary story from a gentleman at, uh, at Phoenix at the IUFOC, the International UFO Congress uh, Conference. Uh, highly believable. Uh, I'm pretty good at telling somebody's laying it on, if you know what I mean. And I, I have that happen frequently. But this guy was out camping in northern um, Arizona, north of Williams, by himself, had a camper lying out there on top of it, when uh, he, he, start, he, he started to see a, a very large black triangle off not too far, 
but one of the triangles, which is not surprising. I mean, they've been seen countless times. We know that. Suddenly, two uh, F-16s came screaming over his head. I mean, his puppies were not more than maybe 100 feet above him and just scared the hell out of him. And they, they, they headed straight up for this triangle, which was, which was appearing and disappearing and moving from one location to another, you know, just shifting in location. One headed straight forward, the other headed off at an angle and let loose six missiles. The craft uh, disappeared and reappeared and, and apparently happened to reappear right in front of these missiles, and the thing hit it. He then watches this huge triangle exploding and tilting and crashing down into the forest behind the mountains. Uh, uh, fires began, went on all night, and, and for the next two nights he watched Osprey and black helicopters moving in and out of that, uh, that area where the fires had been just for two weeks, back and forth and back and forth. And then uh, he finally goes back into town, and he gets some papers, and there were some articles in the papers about the fact that the, uh, the, 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 the Forest Service had announced that they were doing a, quote, a controlled burn in that area. I'm going to research this story. He, he, I got him immediately together with Linda Moulton Howe, because I knew she was going to love that, and, and she's going to start looking into it. Uh, but what can I say? If it's true, and this, this, was, this was 2008, if it's true, and I hope to God it's not, then we're still shooting at, at craft. Now, it's possible that was an, uh, a reverse-engineered uh, craft uh, from another country. In other words, maybe a, a Russian reverse-engineered triangle that, that had cloaking ability and was in our airspace, and we shot the damn thing down, which is troubling. But if it was an ET craft, it's unbelievably troubling. So, you know, I don't hear this story, story well, very often, worse, but this is a few. Even so, worse scenario would be a broken arrow. Where it was one of ours. Uh, well, yeah, it yeah, well, yeah. Well, if we shot that one of our own craft, meaning that uh, the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. But again, this this kind of shows you how we're playing with fire. Uh, there are other, you know, there's more than enough evidence to show that we have shot at these things. So the idea that SDI had nothing to do with ETs to be dismissed outright. Uh, to me, is is a very, very uh, how would you say uh, naive? Um, because Impossible. just because somebody in government says I was associated with the program, nothing to do with ETs means nothing, absolutely nothing. Um, but we don't have any proof of that. We simply don't have any proof. But what we have is very, very increasingly, uh, how would you say, competent uh, assessment ability. We, we we can read between the lines. Uh, so one of the reasons we need disclosure uh, is because whatever is going on up there, out there, with respect to these ETs, I, I think it's time the citizens knew knew about it and and could have a voice in it. Uh, if a if a relatively small group of individuals, maybe numbering twenty or thirty or maybe even five or ten, uh, are making command decisions within the military intelligence complex, and on occasion they're going to shoot at extraterrestrial civilizations and doing it because they just think it's the right thing to do. And the rest of us are just supposed to go, okay, fine, whatever you want. I'm telling you, this is not going to work well. It isn't going to go well at all. So again, those that care, I mean, I, mean, I don't expect everybody to care about this. We, we only need about 5% of the people to really get involved, and it's over. But 
and one of the reasons it's hard to get people involved sometimes is because the implications are so huge that it, it's like, oh my, I just can't address that. You know, you know, if if the if the water is is, is getting tainted up at the well up the street, you know, yeah, let's get to it. But if you're talking about shooting an extraterrestrial civilization, I'm sorry, I don't know what to do. This is so huge, so it's so big that people almost rightfully or appropriately just say, I, I can't deal with that, which essentially then defaults it to the motel intelligence managers. I, I think those guys have the nation's well-being at heart. I, I, I think that in general, if they sh- shoot at an ET vehicle, they probably think well, you know, that it's the right thing to do. I'm just suggesting that they could be wrong. And, 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 and the reason we have representative government is to minimize situations where government does things that are really wrong like going to war based on the team from a guy named Curveball. I mean, look, uh, I'm not a genius, but if somebody comes to me and says, yeah, we got, uh, we got some testimony here that uh, Saddam's got some nuclear weapons. Oh, who's that from? Well, it's from our agent Curveball. And I'm thinking, okay, let's get some cooperation. So, yeah, governments, and another thing about the modern world, you know, it used to be governments would screw up and it would, you know, you'd lose a village, right, or, you know, you'd have some polluted water for a while. I mean, they'd make mistakes. Now, right. governments, when they screw up, they can wipe out continents. They can, they can, they can screw yeah. up whole you know, <laughs> parts of the world. They can, they can, they can sink, sink civilizations under melting ice caps. Pretty you know, much, we, yeah. We don't, have the lux- <laughs> yeah. we don't have the luxury anymore of governments doing stupid things. So we'd better get in, 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 in control, and we'd better get uh, some reform underway. We'd better get this thing reorganized pretty soon. Or, yeah, you know, they're going to they're gonna sink the ship. You know, I mean, it's, you're, you're, right, you're on the Titanic, okay? I'm on the fourth deck. You're partying. You're having, some, having a good time drinking some warm beer. And somebody makes a mistake up in the helm, you know? I mean, you're not driving the ship, right? You, you assume that they're, you know, they're, they're, they're competent, but they forget to give the binoculars to the guy up in the crow's nest, and they're traveling too fast, and they know they've been ripped ice, and the next thing they hit an iceberg. And then the ship is sinking. And, you know, it's not like the captain's going to go apologize to everybody. He did go down with the ship, bless his heart. But let me tell you, we're all, we're all riding along in, in, in Spaceship Earth, and we've got some people who are running it, in a sense. And as long as we know who they are and we have a sense of what their intentions are, we have, you know, at least some sense of the situation. But increasingly, we don't know who the captain of the ship is. We don't know where the helm is. We don't know where the steering wheel is. We don't even know where they, where they bunk. We don't know anything about them. And so they're likely to steer us right into an iceberg, and we're all going to sink. And, and, and there's gonna, not going to be any apologies from any of them. So this is kind of stuff that you get into when you get into the UFO issue now and you get into the disclosure issue now. This is heavy, heavy-duty global macro stuff. Hard to get across, incredibly difficult to get funded, and yet nothing has more implications for the history and for the future of, of, of humanity, the future of all living life here, than this issue. Uh, so you think it would be the most heavily funded, heavily engaged issue in the world? When of course it's you know down the line. I mean, it's got to be in, you know 100, 200 behind you know more important issues like a celebrity went into rehab last week. That kind of stuff. Or who won Dancing with the Stars. Um, And and Jamie's turn's coming up, but I got one more follow-up here. And that has to do with what you were just saying about nothing having more to do with the future. But you first said history, and I'd have to agree with you. The history is there. The history is extant, and yet nobody's paying attention. 
So not enough people are paying attention. Uh, but there well, would be enough people paying attention. In other words, if the, if the U.S. government doesn't intervene, right, and lets the thing just unfold, in other words, it says, look, you know, ETs are flying around. We got a crash vehicle. Well, maybe we'll make that secret because we got to study it, and, and it could be weaponized. Who knows? Okay, fine. But overall, we're not going to intervene, uh, and uh, we're going to you know let the chips fall where they may, and people will see what they see, and it'll be reported, and, and universities may get involved, and whatever. Then uh, we would be in a much different place today, uh, because we we all the institutions would eventually start engaging this, and we would have a huge amount of public knowledge about this phenomena by now, and we all yeah, you know, for better there, or for worse. There again, the inst- there again, the institutions rely on public funding. Well, yeah, um, but yeah, right. That's just it, one part of the truth embargo. But the government made the decision to intervene and say we're going to block the the appropriate engagement of the issue. We're going to sequester it. We're going to impede the university's involvement. We're going to impede the Congress involvement. We're going to suppress it all to the extent that we can. We're going to interrupt the, the fundamental, you know, the, the standard operating procedures of engaging the world. Uh, that was a fateful decision that they made. And so now we're 64 years down the line, and, and we're in this hyper, a state of hyper-confusion, misinformation, disinformation, and not surprisingly, nothing works, right? Nobody trusts anybody. Highly uh, dysfunctional institutions are falling apart because they, 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 they threw, they put, they, put, they put sugar in the gas tank, they put a, a, you know, rotten tomatoes in the carburetor, uh, they just screwed up the whole car, and that won't go anywhere. So I hope this is a lesson learned now. I mean, I hope they never do this again. The Soviet Union played that game. I mean, they screwed everything up, and guess what? The whole thing fell apart. Okay, great. Well, yeah, we're trying to follow that, that same, that kind of takes, same game. That kind yeah. of takes me back to what I was saying about the history. Ancient Rome did it wrong. Uh, Henry VIII did it wrong. You know, Charlemagne did parts of it right and screwed up the rest of it entirely. The ancient Egyptians disappeared. They all got into this state mentality rather than, hey, that's strange. Well, one Let's of the things you will that. see, one of the things you will note if you, if you study the history of various civilizations, and of course there have been many, even the larger ones, and you look for commonality, because I mean, these are all, com- this is complex history. And, and many, many things uh, happen, and, and there's a lot of clearly distinct differences between the, the, the historical trajectories of Rome or Greece or the, the, you know, the Chang dynasties, whatever. Uh, but the one thing that seems to be common throughout is that the rule, the, the ruling structure and the social contract is dominated by a limited number of people at the top, uh, whether it's the monarch uh, the emperor, uh, tight cabals, uh, individuals who are operating uh, uh, again outside much public purview, and 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 they and they make mistakes, right? That that the people can't correct, can't counterbalance, and so whether it's Napoleon, or Caligula, or pick you know pick a tyrant, pick a uh, pick an elitist that, you know, gets into, goes to something stupid, they bring the whole house down around them. This is the most common thing you see. Uh, now, and, and oftentimes, though, it takes time, and you have, you have slow decay within the civilization. Sometimes it takes a series of such. 
But essentially, it's, it's a limited number, even one person, who has way too much authority, who just decides to do something grotesquely stupid. So one of the, one of the promises of the modern era, uh, which, which emerged, and one of the reasons why the United States did have some great value in the world, is that you had some intellectuals back in the 1700s who basically said, well, we get away from that. If we can develop a more open society, if we can develop a more participatory society, then you can get away from a situation where one, one idiot, one defective jackass, can get in charge and just take everything down, whether it's Gaddafi, or whether it's Khomeini, whether it's Stalin, whether it's Hitler. I mean, you can go on and on and on and on here. And generally, we were making some progress well, in there. In case, King George. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it didn't bring down the British Empire. Uh, that came later. But but the point is is that <laughs> this thing is the common thing. And and what we ha- are seeing in America, particularly in the 20th century, is that we have a tremendous amount of representational government. Isn't you know we're, this isn't we're not Genghis Kong and the and the hordes of you know Mongolia. But 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 what's happened is we we've replaced uh, in, you know the all powerful leader with what I call the secret empire which is essentially a kind of hidden world uh, involving a lot of people with vast power uh, who, who probably, at least in the United States, are, are, are fundamentally patriotic or been, and, and, and trying to act in the interest of the country, but they're, they're pretty much like, a, like their own little uh, empire. And as a result, they, they can take it all down because there's nobody to stop them in a way, right? They come together at a meeting and decide to do something stupid like shoot a triangle down, and maybe piss off another civilization that could eat our lunch, right, and be back for dinner, uh, and take everything down. So, again, we, we've fallen into the trap. Now, the solution to this trap is reform of the secret empires around the world, the op- true open and uh, transparent government, the reduction of power of cabals and secretive groups, uh, and the empowerment of citizens through the Internet. Uh, we should have 95% voting turnout in the United States. States, in fact, all of the, all of the democratic uh, world and social democratic world, we should have open, transparent government. Nobody uh, of significant power should be able to get together with other people without having to press there, without having cameras on. This kind of stuff we could still do. This is what we're going to have to do. Uh, and it just turns out that the, the disclosure process and the, the resolution of the ET issue is the best known, most powerful example of trying to make a significant rectification of this of trend. In other words, truncate an old line of thinking and replace it with a new line of thinking. There are many others, but this is the one that everybody knows about. This is the one that Hollywood makes movies about every couple of months. This is why Avatar did $2.7 billion. This is the preeminent issue. Even though it's not funded in the advocacy level, it's the funding of its awareness uh, machine is unbelievable. Right. Um, no, no, no other genre uh, beyond extraterrestrials has made more money than that genre and, and for the entertainment world, and that's worldwide. Avatar did seven hundred million dollars in the United States. It did two billion dollars overseas. Avatar two and three will go into production soon. They're going to make them both at the same time. Both of them will do two billion plus. So you get my point here. This is the issue upon which the world can ride into out of the old paradigm. Uh, geopolitical reality, mostly male-driven and based on fundamental premises that no longer work anymore into a new paradigm that actually may work, and we may get a pretty good 21st century, maybe even one we'd be proud of. So again, you see how huge it is and why it's kind of, you know, a big deal and why those that are involved are pretty committed. 
Steve, speaking of disclosure, uh, I mentioned earlier to the guys that it, it's almost seemed like Dr. Stephen Greer has uh, stepped back a little bit. I don't know if you've worked with him much in the past, but is it's that the true. case? Yep. Do you see it that way, too, that he's just not in the public as much as he was in, in 2008 and nine? I'm not really in a position to assess uh, Dr. Greer's um, status. Okay. Uh, certainly, I mean, he's he's still. I mean, I'm I'm seeing things all the time. He's he's doing a lot of C-study work. Uh, he does radio, uh, and uh, he's been fo- focusing for the last nine years on alternative energy, which is a real tough gig. I mean, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Uh, so I can't really say. <laughs> I mean, he may be doing more than ever, no but kidding. he just may be more in the background. But let me say this. I mean. From my standpoint, the preeminent uh, 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 contribution of Greer's work, in my view, was the May 9, 2001 press conference, uh, where 20-some witnesses, uh, representing 75 witnesses and several hundred hours of testimony, was presented to 100 reporters and a whole lot of international press at the National Press Club. John Alexander is repeatedly, Colonel John Alexander, who is a former, well, he's a very wired-connected guy who goes all the way back to uh, Army intelligence in Vietnam, and he's done it all, seen it all, been everywhere, knows everybody. Uh, he's made a big deal of, you know, the fact that uh, Robert Bigelow, uh, I think Robert Bigelow uh, funded an effort by him and some others to try to get something going in Congress, and they were talking to people behind the scenes in Congress and what have you to maybe get some hearings. And that when the Greer press conference, or the, the, the Disclosure Project press conference took place, that all of the guys inside Kind of panic and said, "Oh God, you know they're out there talking about it and whatever, and so there's no way we can touch it." And so he sort of blames Greer for ruining a, a good thing. Uh, I, I don't see it that way. I mean, uh, basically, what Dr. Alexander is saying is that you know uh, the, Greer's public effort to get the witness testimony out ruined our secret plan to end the secrecy. Uh, and 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 rather than than, than attacking the disclosure project for for that very, you know, difficult uh, and, uh, I think, important event, he should be attacking the Congress for being cowards. But he doesn't. So, uh, you know, I wanted to say, I wanted, you know, John Alexander presented at the, uh, the, the IFO Congress. We were going to debate, uh, it would have been a lively debate, too, on Friday, but I, unfortunately I got tangled up in traffic and, and just didn't get there in time, and so Stanton Friedman uh, went at it with him a little bit. But... Um, there's a there's there, he makes some very significant points and and uh, they deserve to be responded to and uh, this one I like to talk about because again it, it, it perfectly expresses the the the, the dichotomy here uh, you've got a pri- you've got Bigelow who, who operates very much uh, pretty much uh, you know very secretive though he's, he's a private citizen he can do that though he has government ties. Uh, with kind of a closely held organization like NIDS, and he's got a couple of insiders on his board, and, and they, they secret, privately, you know, quietly go to Congress, to, behind the scenes, talking, whispering about, let's get some hearings going maybe, or something like that. And then the public uh, act, activist work that's underway, which, you know, is pretty damn important, uh, supposedly ruins their secret dealings. So, you know, so you've got one group that thinks the only way to end the secrecy is, 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 is secret deals and everything else. In other words, they're trying to solve the problem with the same thinking that created the problem in the first place. And, and then you've yeah. got the people that are saying, no, we've got to get outside of that. We've got to go in, in, in a new direction, in new thinking. And so there you have the dichotomy. I mean, I'm not 
I'm not I'm not saying it's good or bad, evil versus good. I'm simply saying that that you 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 have to decide which 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 approach is is appropriate now. What what do we really need? Do we more do we need secret deals with cowardice members of Congress who who can't step forward and say what they think, or do we need a private I mean a very public engagement of the press and 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 the Congress uh, continually asking them to step forward and and say something meaningful. So the people can start to trust them again. I mean, this is the dichotomy as I see it. And so I would love one day uh, to sit out on a stage at Harvard University uh, with Dr. Alexander, you know, on one side, me and the other, and a very nice professor in the middle moderating, and, and have a two- or three-hour debate over these very significant issues, uh, assuming Harvard would ever allow that, because currently their current position is uh, we don't know anything, we don't know nothing, uh, and all contact is, uh, is sleep paralysis. Thank you very much. Uh, now, where's your $50,000 check for your kids' tuition? But maybe it will happen. You know, if not Harvard, then, then maybe another fine university. Uh, just give me a call. I'm sh- John, would, John and I would show up in a heartbeat if you'd like to actually do something truly interesting, and we'll debate this issue for three hours, and uh, I think it will be enlightening. I hope you get that chance. The... Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> And this is a, a, a big sidestep here, but you mentioned Harvard, okay? And mm-hmm. one of the best out there television dramas currently, mm-hmm. one on Fox, and the name of it is Fringe. Right. And many of the scenes are set yes. in a lab at Harvard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it involves multiple universes mm-hmm. and all kinds of, you know, Fringe science. It, it goes by its title. Um, which is my segue into how much do you think the entertainment industry and as well as the press are implicit in giving this topic as well as many other quote-unquote fringe topics a bad rap? Hmm. First of all, I hear this a good show. I haven't seen it, but I hear it's pretty good. I mean, I love sci-fi. You know, Very good. Give, give me all the sci-fi you got. But let me ask you a question. Mm. Do they actually say Harvard in the show? Do they actually use that name yes. as where the lab is? Yes. They do. Okay, that's very interesting. Uh, they would have they had do. to have permission to do that, which I find intriguing, uh, which means Harvard gave them a green light on that. There is much no lab at Harvard. There used to be a... You know, a, 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 uh, studies, a paranormal studies at, at Temple, and that got shut down. And I, I think the Princeton lab is shut down. Uh, you know, look, look, the, the American university system's record on dealing with these complex issues, and particularly the ETU issue, is, is an unbelievable, abysmal failure. I mean, it's, it's beyond the pale. Uh, uh, and by God, they're going to have to answer for it. I mean, it, it's going to be... <laughs> I mean, it's, disclosure is going to result in a major shakeup in the way we run our universities and colleges. But um, let me say this. Uh, the entertainment industry is, is smart. Uh, I'm spending a lot of time in L.A. now. I've been coming four or five times now. Some people are putting me up, bless their hearts, and I've made some good contacts. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to pitch a screenplay, you understand, but I'm trying to get some major players in this town to put some money behind the advocacy and move on with things. So, but, you know, these are smart people, and they, 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 they have a pretty good idea what's going on, and some of them have their own government contacts. Uh, they know the ET issue is real, and, and therefore they know that there's a huge interest in the public uh, about the subject that's not being um, serviced by 
you know, that normal institutions like colleges, universities, the press, and the Congress. And so they, they know if they make movies about it, the people will, will, will jump on them because it's something, you know. People know there's something going on. The government won't tell them, but let's go to the movies. Um, and they've made a fortune. I mean, I, I, I don't know how many billions of dollars of cash flow we're talking about, but, I mean, it's the many, 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 many tens of billions of dollars. Um, there are 15 movies minimum in the pipeline on ET subject this year. The next one out is uh, Battle for Los Angeles. There's already been two already. Yep. Uh, at least mm-hmm. 15. There's two or three or four television shows a minimum. There's a number of documentaries. There's a movie called Area 51 that will be out probably in late spring. Uh, I'm actually right. in it. Uh, that's cool. Oh, wow. Uh, and it's you know, cool. my, Alec, my Alec Hynek moment. But, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, but the fact is, is that... that uh, I believe that the vast majority of all of this activity is, is Hollywood being Hollywood. They're making money. Uh, they're, right. they're, they've got, they're servicing an interest in the public that, that is being driven. In other, in other words, the, the thing driving Hollywood the most is the ETs themselves. They're, they're up there. They're flying around. They're developing huge interest worldwide, and Hollywood is raking the bucks in. So frankly, you know, post-disclosure, it wouldn't surprise you if the ETs came down. The first thing they said was, well, first, we'd like a royalty check. Huh. From you know all the major studios, uh, you know, let's, let's just settle on ten well, billion that dollars. Back, yeah. that kind of uh, goes back to the and we wanted it. We wanted in gold, by the way. Yeah, we wanted in gold, gold, by the yeah. way. Currency sucks, you know. Uh, but I think that over the years there have been maybe the odd occasion when I and there's evidence for this that people in the entertainment industry have been approached uh, to maybe do some stuff. Uh, given some things, I think there's been an effort to maybe put some things out there. It's very hard to prove. Uh, but it won't surprise me one bit if that turns out to be the case. Uh, but I think the idea that Hollywood is heavily controlled and there's sort of a very con- uh, fairly elaborate uh, acclimatization program, government-directed, uh, I don't think that's mm. the case. Uh, Hollywood doesn't need to be prompted to put this yep. uh, subject up on a screen. Uh, no, and, and, and so I, I would say no. But it, um, I, we need to be carefully watched. And uh, I hope one day we we hear from the, the people in Hollywood that, that were involved in things these years. I'd love to know as much about well, I was that. Leaning, I was kind of leaning more towards the, uh, the tabloid press and their treatment of it. And the reason I say that is we recently interviewed a guy by the name of Jim Hogshire, who is the mm-hmm. author of a book entitled uh, grossed out surgeon vomits inside patient and it is right. a book about writing for the tabloids and his mm-hmm. experience of that yeah mm-hmm. and also it's about the origins of those tabloids the oh, national yeah. Enquirer, the uh world uh anyway yeah all those well, no, no, let me talk about that let me talk yeah about all that. of them i think you're listening <laughs> to hear that uh let me again hollywood is uh, uh, maybe in the early days, Hollywood maybe got manipulated a little bit, uh, possibly in the 50s, uh, to encourage to do some things. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, remember, Hollywood was totally on board with the government during World War II. I mean, they were putting out the appropriate war films, right, to service the World yep. War II. And so there was already a pretty good relationship going there. So that the, the fact that the government might have got them to do some things in the 50s to service the truth embargo, uh, wouldn't surprise me at all, okay? Um, uh, but let, let me tell you something. Here's, here's something you need to know, folks. Um, uh, starting in 1954, um, the National Enquirer tabloid uh, was launched. 
and began publishing sensational UFO stories that often appeared on its cover while they, you know, would be sitting in the grocery store newsstands, which you know everybody goes to because everybody eats. In '54 forward, uh, in 1979, the publisher of the National Enquirer launched the Weekly World News. At 79, right, which immediately right. began publishing even more sensational and lurid UFO stories appearing in the front cover of grocery stores. And so hundreds of millions of incidences where people are going, going through the grocery line and they're seeing some cover story of you know, uh, some president standing there talking to an ET or the ET is you know, holding a baby, whatever. I mean, just this weird stuff. And inside there would be more stories. They went on all along. Well, you know, here, here's something your listeners need to remember and, and check out. The publisher of the National Enquirer and the Weekly World News was a gentleman by the name of Generoso Paul Pope, Jr. All right? Yep. Now, he bought, in 1952, the New York Enquirer, which is just a regular pager. He bought it at the age of 25 uh, with 75 grand, which in 1952 was a whole chunk of change. All right? And several oh, yeah. historians indicate uh, have, have indicated, I don't know if it's been proven, that the money came to him from, from, from famed mobster Frank Costello, right? New York mobster Frank Costello. So two years later, he, he reconfigures the paper uh, uh, between 52 and 54, and then it's republished as the National Enquirer. But during the two years prior, Generoso Pope, Pope Jr. worked for the psychological warfare section of the Central Intelligence Agency. Correct. Not just the it's EIA. He, he wasn't working in the cafeteria there. Uh, he wasn't an accountant. He was in the psychological warfare section. Now, what do you think the chances are that a 25-year-old guy is able to buy a newspaper and also happens to work for the CIA, right, in their psychological warfare? And this is just a coincidence. You know, just hey, one of those things. You know, somebody had to buy it and it had to be me, right? So that's all you need to know. To know that <laughs> the truth embargo yeah. used the media, but in but but the tabloids were far more effective in 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 building the UFO ghetto, the ghetto of ufology, the intellectual ghetto of ufology, than 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 the news. The the the, the, the whatever they did with the uh, uh, Hollywood was a more sophisticated nature. Uh, the tabloid stuff was raw disinformation, raw manipulation, and that that the, the general so Paul Pope Jr. story is not more well known. Uh, more known. But it gets worse because uh, I think the evidence is ample that from 1952 on and probably to this day, the Central Intelligence Agency has paid journalists working for virtually all of the major journalistic operations in this country, meaning they're paid, I believe, and they're undercover. Now, I could be wrong, but there's ample evidence that has happened, and, and certainly through the 70s. Whether it's still going on, I'm not sure, but I, I think we ought to know. And, of course, they're not talking. So this, this is the kind of stuff that needs to be rectified. Uh, and until it's rectified, y nobody's going to trust the press anymore. And, you know, the press is getting to the point where they, they have about as much uh, respect as the Congress. Well, if you don't respect the press, you don't respect the president, you don't respect the Congress, you don't respect the AMA, you don't respect the pharmaceutical companies, you don't respect corporations, what do you got? I mean, you got you in a hmm. tent, you know, and some dry Total food. anarchy. I mean, yeah, yeah, you don't you don't have a country anymore. You basically have you know an accident waiting to happen. So again, these are the kinds yep. of things that emerge from the UFO question that actually have huge impact mm -hmm. on our the future course of our country. One you know once uh, per, well, one 
possible outcome might be the Venus Project or something similar to, to that. You know, I don't know if you've done any research towards the Venus Project and Jock Fresco's, uh, you know, imagination, I guess, or his dream for the future. And, uh, you know, that they put that over... Yeah, well, whatever you want to call it, uh, it's a beautiful idea uh, that that could be a possibility. Uh, you know, it doesn't involve governments the way we have it now, but a lot of people are seeing that as a possible new world order. So there's always that spin. Sadly you know, enough. there's going to be a new world order. Uh, certainly, yeah, no matter what, is going to dramatically change things. Uh, and as I've said many times publicly, uh, it's less about uh, a new new world order coming. Uh, mm -hmm. And more about who's going to build it, who's going right. to shape it, and and, and that's and exactly what my point is. Yep. People people mm -hmm. play a major role in in reshaping the, the changing order, or are they going to let uh, let the power really do it for them, and then live with the outcome? That's really the question. Yep. You know, you can talk about new world we'll order all day, doesn't damn thing. It depends on what it is and who built it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's a, a an actual group that sit there and they, and they call themselves the New World Order. I just I don't buy that. Like you hear Alex Jones, and you hear a lot of the you know the conspiracy theories uh, that you know he spews about the New World Order, and he makes it seem like there's a tight little group sitting somewhere in a corner room, somewhere in a deep bunker, you know, plotting to take over the world, and they call themselves the New World Order. I don't think that's the case. I think any uh, you know society that develops after what we have now, it's going to be a New World Order. So that's just a name. Uh, whether there is other societies, of course, you know that's no, it's, it's neither here nor there because there are. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah, generic, it's a generic term. term. Yeah, it, it's not referring to a specific group. I know he doesn't do that. Uh, I think I think there is a mistake when people, because it's convenient, comfortable, they they want to believe there is like a one single tight group that runs everything. Right. But that's the odds of that are incredibly small. But there are controlling groups. There's just a lot of them. Right. There's a mm -hmm. lot of these groups around. And, and some of them do work work together, but some of them some are work also together, working, working at odds with each other. other. Right? They're not all on yeah. the same page. So you, what you have yep. is a is a is a group. The issue is not that there aren't groups that are that are seeking agendas, right? Because that's power. that's fine. Well, you know, yep. I mean, that even in, in a democrat democracy, we we you know people can come together. They can they can they can they can organize and try to change policy. They can form corporations, Correct. they can form businesses, yep. power. there's nothing wrong with that. The, what is, fundamentally, the, what is wrong is when it is people whose, it, whose agendas affect the lives of others and they operate mm -hmm. in secrecy. That's the That's problem. Right. It's not that, you know, you've got seven people over there and they're meeting and get together and they have some plan for America. What, what the hell? That's what the founding fathers did. They got together and they had plans for America. <laughs> exactly. The problem is they try yeah. to operate well, from secret postures. And they got together and more more importantly, they got together in secrecy because if they did it publicly, they'd have been hanged. Yes. Uh, well, you know, well, let me, let me, uh, let me, let me. You know, you may have caught me here, but not quite. Uh, look, <laughs> it, there, there was, there was, there was a need, particularly once the the die had been cast, and it was clear that it was an independence movement developing in the United States that some of these people did meet secret, secretly to discuss oh, yeah. the, the the future of America. Because frankly, they could have been hanged if they, if they didn't. But if, if mm -hmm. but ultimately, right. let's be clear: the founding of America was done in the open, right? They met. They went to Philadelphia. Oh, sure. They, they had sure. other meetings in, uh, in New York, and, and they were they, 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 they weren't in a basement somewhere, and and it was known. They operated openly by and large, and and they and they and they, and they executed the, the founding of America openly. 
uh, we're really, we're really talking about uh, much of the opposite. You, you have groups, whether they're a group of bankers or whether they're a group of globalists who get together in these secret meetings, uh, the, the real secret ones you never know about. It's easy to point at the Bilderberger stuff, but the fact is, you know, that's, sure. that's less of a concern. You have plenty of things to go on. You don't know anything. And, and they feel like, you know, they have this sort of uh, mandate to, to, to build the world uh, in our best interest, and, and they always screw it up. I mean, you think, gee, you know, maybe, maybe they'll do it in our best interest. Well, they almost <laughs> never do, right? And so uh, the, the, the job of, of the modern uh, social, uh, the job of mo- uh, the citizens of the world today is to end rule by secrecy, create an open, transparent government, end and a lot of these organizations, or not end, but simply draw out and, and put the spotlight on all these organizations that are trying to play the secret game and use the Internet to drive policy, right, and, and uh, increase voting percentages. Like if we go to Internet voting in this country and it's done right, we can have 95% turnout so that, that the voice of the people are really directing things. And when, when, when you have a very powerful collective consensus, then you have a much higher degree of trust, and so people want to go along with the policies, and so if the policies are good, you'll actually get good results. All of this is doable. It can be doable in 10 years. But this is kind of what we're facing. And, and, and unfortunately, though, it, it, when people reduce it to like this one power group like the Illuminati, and they're running everything, they, they, they make it too easy, too simple, and they, and they miss the, the much bigger picture, which really does allow them an opportunity. But if you believe there's one Uber group and there's not a damn thing you can do about it, then what the hell? Give up. Go party. But in fact, that's right. not the case. And we do have a lot of power. And so I'm encouraging people to take a more Don't complex me, view Steve. Of, the, of the world as it is right now. <laughs> I missed that. Don't is that them. a good one? What was that? <laughs> yeah, right. I got you. <laughs> Don't tempt the man. Uh, Steve, we're almost out of time here. That uh, point. He is. He's about to boil over. <laughs> guys, way, we're, we're almost... Guys breaking through my front door right now. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guys, we're, we're oh, almost no, out of time here on Skywatchers Radio. Unfortunately, uh, we're coming to an end here. But, Mr. Bassett, again, it's been so awesome having you on here. And uh, we enjoy having you on here, you know, periodically as much as possible. And... Uh, you know, Rick, do you have any final questions for for Steve before we get going? Because we have like two minutes left before we have to get out of here. Yeah, I would I would encourage him to get the word out on the websites, plural, all yes. twenty five of them, if he can. Yes, please. <laughs> okay, pick pick a couple. A couple of quickies. A couple of quick. Let me leave you with this. Look, my website is paradigmresearchgroup.org. I recently put out an open letter to Senator Scott Brown. I encourage you to go find it. It's all over the web. Read it. It's interesting. Cool. Uh, and I think very relevant. Soon I will be publishing an open letter to the Washington Post. Look for it. This one's going to go really even wider. It's going to be broadcast even wider than that. Uh, and I encourage you to read some recent books. Please read uh, UFOs and Nukes by Hastings. Read UFOs by Leslie Kane. Uh, and if you want to see the the insider's view of things, then read John Alexander's new book, UFOs. Uh, it's fascinating stuff, and, and you need to know the other perspective, particularly that's coming from the inside looking out. So definitely read that, and of course, AD After Disclosure by Richard Dolan, I mean, the preeminent, I think, chronicler of this issue now, uh, and of course, his second volume of UFOs in the National Security State. But by the way, AD was co-authored by Bryce Abel, who was a very high-level yes. person in Hollywood. He's really, I'm mm-hmm. meeting with him, he wants to do stuff. He's the highest level person in Hollywood that is directly engaging the issue, not simply as entertainment, yes. 
but as important subject matter. And Bryce is, 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 is a leader, and you're going to be hearing a lot, lot more from him. Uh, so we got, we got, we're making inroads all the time. Uh, we will win this, this issue out. We will get disclosure. I think it will happen very soon. So get ready. Uh, and uh, when, when it happens, give me a call. We'll do a show. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay. Well, tell Bryce, tell Bryce that we have a couple hours for him to stump anytime he wants. I'm sure he'd yep. love to do it. Hey. Give, him, give him an email. Yeah, actually, I, I was on with him on uh, the Wow Factor not long ago, and he, he is really a great, great guest to have on. And you know, he of course is the creator of Dark Skies, which to this day I think is one of the best uh, UFO-related TV shows yep. or, or you know miniseries ever on TV. I mean, it, it what he put on that it's show until creative writing. Oh my God! Yeah, you know, it's funny because I was saying to myself when I was watching it recently, I was like, "My God, he was so on point with a lot of the stuff that he wrote on this." I, you know, it's um, it amazes me that he, you know, he really might know more than you know he led leads on. I don't know. It, it, it's like he brought that so many connections he made. It was incredible. Go ahead. Yeah, he brought the show out the year I entered the field. So I, I just I saw a yeah. couple just briefly. <laughs> I was too early. Uh, oh, but it, it it really is a milestone. It's his it's his legacy. It was. But by the way, that 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 show is now on, on you. It's up for sale. You can buy it on DVD. The entire yes. Yes, uh, series uh, available right now, and, and it's definitely a, a buy. You want to go get that puppy? Yeah, it is awesome. I'm waiting for oh, the yeah. Blu-ray to and come out myself. But uh, fantastic series, man. Yeah, yeah. Dark Side yeah. Uh, ahead of its time. Hopefully, we'll mm-hmm. see the rework of that uh, updated and and totally cool. It uh, wouldn't surprise me. I know there are people thinking about that, so we'll see what happens. But there's, we're, no, we're not going to lack for entertainment. We're not going to lack for issues. It's going to be a wild ride, uh, but it needs to go somewhere, okay? And that yeah, somewhere that's is disclosure yep. and disclose the world. So let's get there as soon as we can. Definitely, definitely, Steve. All righty. Well, uh, thank you very much, we'll, Steve. And, thanks uh, so much. We'll look forward yep. to having you back in a month or two, and hopefully you'll have some important update. Very likely. That'd be Appreciate great. it, fellas. Thank you so much, Stephen. Have yourself a wonderful night, sir. And guys, we'll be back on Skywatchers Radio next Monday at 11 o'clock. And uh, coming up soon, we're going to have Nick Redfern on the show here the next couple weeks. So that's going to be a whole lot of fun. So please stick around for that on Skywatchers Radio here on PSN Radio. For Jamie Havican, for my good friend Rick Osmond, for the awesome guest that is Mr. Stephen Bassett. And for myself, Angel Espino, a.k.a. The Jackal, and all that jazz. I want to thank everybody who listened in, everybody who's going to check out the podcast later, who's, which this will be uploaded pretty damn soon on the website. So look out for that, guys. For my brother who just sneezed in the next room, for him too. Uh, peace, everybody, and we'll catch you next week here on Skywatchers Radio. Goodbye, everybody.
Get us down 